From my heart to yours, welcome to the Love Lead XL podcast. I'm Kristen Wilson. And this week has been a cyclone. I just got back from the West Coast attending and speaking at DJ Collective, right back into DJing, and then at night, turning my laundry room into all the things TikTok would dream about. There were so many life lessons and little nuggets that I learned while I was traveling. And over dinner one night, I had one of the most inspirational conversations right after climbing a mountain. We talked about the story of a lotus flower, and that's what I want to share with you today. On the outside, you'll see Sean Patrick as an entertainer, energy extraordinaire, who reminds me a lot of the next Ryan Seacrest. He has brought his talents to Hollywood world premieres like Star Wars, Captain Marvel, and Disney Pixar's Soul. He has shared the stage with some of today's most sought-after thought leaders like Tony Robbins. And as a DJ, he's performed with artists like Maroon 5, Gwen Stefani, Calvin Harris, and Snoop Dogg. But friends, underneath it all, he has a heart of gold and a stardust soul. Today, we're going to peel back the layers through Love Lead XL with Sean Patrick. Sean, you're here! Kristen! (laughs) Oh my gosh, you look amazing. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm wonderful. I'm so excited to be chatting with you today. Dude, you have no idea, actually. Do I? Not. I mean, you do, obviously, but like this morning, like I got up extra early and I was like, oh my God, it's my, it's my Lotus episode with Sean. Like, (laughs) you know, so like I wanted to kind of like get in my head and be like, okay, let me, let me get myself back to that moment and like, you know, get us back into that conversation. And I'm just, I don't know. I'm, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm tremendously pumped. Now you text me at uh, 5.30 in the morning, my time. <laughs> just, just to put it out there. But yeah. also I keep my phone on do not disturb. I'm still learning the new iOS, but it's on sleep. So I didn't see it. And hopefully you saw like SP has its notifications turned off, but it was the first thing, truly the first thing I woke up to. And I didn't even have like, for whatever reason, the number your cell wasn't in my phone. I was like, who sent me two things? And I looked and I was like, that's my girl. That's Kristen right there. You started my whole day off in the best way possible. That was my goal. Thank you for that text. You did it. You nailed it. That was my goal. That was my goal. Sean Patrick. First of all, when I Google everything about you and look at your website, you are such a bright light in this world of entertainment and in general. So I am so excited for our listeners to get to know you today. If they haven't Googled you, give us a little bit of like your 30 second, like elevator pitch. Like, tell me about you. What is it that makes you tick and what makes you unique in the events that you do? Okay, Kristen, thank you. And I will give you the pitch. Also, (laughs) thanks for having me on here. I love you. I adore you, you, your business, but most of all, I just love your heart. It's so wonderful to connect with you. So thanks for having me. Thanks, boo. The 30-second elevator pitch, um, if you Googled me, you'd find out a lot of fancy stuff. The truth is, um, I just love people, and I love being a person that connects with people. But you'd also see, uh, boy, I, I host and or DJ the majority of the events for Disney, Marvel Studios, Lucasfilm, Pixar, uh, 21st Century. All the studios out here, I'm based in LA, so I do most of their world premieres, conventions, conferences, that kind of stuff. Um, do a lot of that. I do a ton of corporate events. So I go around the world doing uh, conferences for Google, AT&T, you name it. I've, I've probably had the opportunity to do it. Uh, I started in the industry as a wedding DJ, got thrown into corporate. My first corporate gig was Super Bowl 49, which was wild. But I did that. Uh, that was in uh, Phoenix and I did Super Bowl 50 with the NFL. What do you mean in, you uh, did it? Like, what'd you do? It's, it, well, it depends on which one it was. So Super Bowl 50 was with the NFL. So uh, me and one of my, my closest friends, uh, Corey Live, you can find him on Instagram, at Corey Live, shout out to Corey. Um, we did uh, what we call dueling DJs for the NFL for their, uh, their, tailgate, their VIP tailgate party. So right before we went into Super Bowl 50 in uh, Santa Rosa, California, Bruno Mars was the headliner or the halftime show. We did the whole oh. like pregame and all that stuff. So all of the football players who weren't in the Super Bowl they were there. All of the VPs of blah, blah, blah. They were there. So we did that. My heart is literally pounding because I have to do music prep today. And like in my head, I just thought, OMG, like what type of prep is involved in like prepping for like that? That's that's high pressure. It It is. And the gigs we've done there, whether it's for the NFL proper or we've done parties for uh, DirecTV, what's now AT&T doing like uh, festivals and stuff leading up to it. It's a lot of work. 
But you know who's a good person to ask about that? Digital Dave, because he is in the NFL sphere. He knows how to prep. So, hey, you can ask me. Maybe text that guy. He knows better than I do. <laughs> That's wild. Okay, but do you know what I really love? Okay, so when I was looking at your website, I noticed that in addition to DJing and performing and things like that, like you're basically like Ryan Seacrest. So like you're famous. Aww. So like, you know, first of all, this guy's like, oh, I do events for Google and this and that. Sean, seriously, like you literally are a little Ryan Seacrest, right? Is that one of your jobs? Okay, that you make my heart go pitter patter, Kristen. You are so sweet. And I need to just hire you to meet weekly just to puff up my ego. This is so (laughs) helpful. (laughs) Truly, uh, yeah, that's kind of the goal for me. So I got into the industry as a DJ. Um, I had done hosting as well. And a lot of conferences um, across the country for corporate stuff. They want both. They want someone who's going to do playoffs, playoffs and do the after party, but also someone who's going to be like, this is our president. Give it up for him. So I've done both. My goal has always been to be the next Seacrest. I don't say it very publicly typically, but that's always been my goal. Um, and this year, while it's been, you know, we're still going through it with all of the craziness that's been 2020 and 2021, I've shot, I think, two TV pilots that I'm hosting for like competitive reality shows. And so uh, that's really exciting. And yes, that's always been my goal is to be not necessarily the next Seacrest, but just, uh, just the next host that like you want to welcome into your house and home. And you'd be like, I'd have them over for Christmas and I'd have them host our party or whatever. Like I, that, that is my goal. And it is so kind and so sweet of you to say that. And yeah, yeah, that is I, it. I have chills because I so got, I so get that vibe from you. But then when I went to your website, I, I was like, oh, I see where we're going here. So let's take a step back. However many decades it was ago, seven-year-old Sean. Is that what seven-year-old Sean wanted to do when he grew up? Oh my gosh, what a wonderful and delightful question. Whenever I'm struggling through feeling like, am I doing enough? I'm a three on the Enneagram, which is an achiever. So I'm always asking, okay, three buddies. So you're going to relate to all of this. Hold on, stop it. What's your wing? Do you know what your wing is? I do. I'm a three wing two. And I'm going to guess, wait, don't tell me, don't tell me. Are you a three wing too? Yes, I am. So you're an achiever that has a wing that's a helper. Yes. Oh, no wonder our hearts connected so fast. Oh my gosh. I love that. And if people are listening and they're like, what is the Enneagram? Are these, are they both Scientologists? No, I can't speak to you, <laughs> but that's not what it is. It does sound like that, but it's just a, it's like the most ancient personality test that you can get. And there's nine numbers and their personality types and blah, blah, blah. Three is an achiever. The downside of an achiever is that if you're not achieving, you tend to not feel good enough. And that's why I think it's funny that people like you and I put ourselves in a career that goes every day I, I go out on a stage or out on a dance floor and go, let's find out if I'm good enough. You know what I mean? Yep. Is that, has that been your experience? Yes. Okay. I'm glad I'm not alone here. And as a wing too, I go ahead, go ahead. And I was just going to say like, even like, okay. So every single time I get done with an event, somebody's like, how'd you do almost nine times at a time? I'm like, Oh my God, I freaking slayed. Yeah. Then there's sometimes like, I literally don't, I can't with that much energy and in capital letters, S A L Y, because like I, their vision of their event wasn't my version of slaying. And then the energy. And then like, so I'm like, I think I slayed. I'm pretty sure I slayed. Based on what they said they wanted their event to be, I think that was slaying. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so I'm going to answer your question about seven-year-old Sean Patrick in a second. I promise I'll get back to it. And I can't wait for people to listen to this and be like, he never got back to it, but I will try. (laughs) Okay, so I have to tell you, just along those same lines you're talking about, I did a wedding recently. And uh, I mean, like really recently. And I went out there. I did, it was the reception and I don't do a ton of weddings anymore. I only do weddings for people that I know or love, or, you know, I've been connected with for a long time because most of what I do is, is other stuff and weddings. I know you do so many weddings. Weddings are so hard and I can't believe how many weddings you do. They're so hard because they're the special day for that person. It's supposed to be perfect. It gives me anxiety just talking about it. All that to say, I go out there for the reception. And, um, if, if I can be non-humble for a second, I kill it. It's just, everyone is laughing. Everyone's having a good time. We're about to bring in the bride and groom. 
everyone's on the same page. It's like that perfect thing. You know what it's like when you go out there and you say like, we're going to bring them out. And it's like, Ooh, I'm really going to have to pull this out of people. Cause like, they don't know me. I don't know them. And there's a wall. It was like, none of that. You know, we've all gone through these two years and everyone was just happy to be in a place together. And I was killing it, bring them out. It's amazing. Everyone's just loving it. So I go, uh, you know, do whatever I do. Uh, they start eating dinner. I have a buddy of mine come up to me and he's like, Hey dude, you're killing it, man. And this is a guy I work with and work for all the time. He's like, you're killing it. Just want to let you know, uh, the father of the bride, he said, tell the DJ and the host, be less funny, be more straight to the point. This isn't a TV show. It's a wedding. And I was like, I, it started like immediately eating away at me. And I was like, you don't hire me just to play music. Like the reason the bride and groom did this because this, because I'm so great. I do this, blah, blah, blah. And like, it started bothering me because the achiever in me just went out there and achieved. And then someone was like, I hated it. Mm -hmm. And it took me a long time to, to realize, I shouldn't say a long time. It took me throughout the rest of the four hours of that event to realize two things. One, there's some audiences you don't want to kill for and you're not for everybody. You can't be all things to all people. And two, the criticism that I got from this guy was too engaging, too funny, not a TV show. Guess what? That's I your purpose. That's, that's, that is exactly right, Kristen. And I was like, if this guy doesn't like me for, for who I am, that's actually okay. But it's hard for me as an achiever, which also maybe leans into people pleaser a little bit. Yes. You want that achieving and you want that acceptance. Um, it was hard for me to get there. But by the end of the night, everyone had a great time. Uh, I don't know what happened with Father of the Bride, if he loved me or hated me, but I know that the bride and groom loved it. Everyone there loved it. And I knew that the person that I am, which is funny, loving, engaging uh, TV host type person, like that's who I was and that's what I'm good at and that's what I bring. So I, I had to share that because of your story. And I also want to get back to your question about seven-year-old SP. Seven-year-old Sean. I wrote it down. Did you put it on a post-it note? I love it. I'm never going to forget. i, I Okay, so uh, seven-year-old SP, I don't know where that guy was. I usually run through the filter of if I'm feeling down or bummed about stuff, I ask myself, would 12-year-old me, seven, 12, whatever, okay. would 12-year-old me be impressed with what I'm doing? And more times than not, the answer is yes. It's like, dude, you did Super Bowls. Dude, you're on television. You've done commercials. You host shows. Like that, that kid, that middle school 12-year-old who was loving and kind, but didn't fit in anywhere. No girls were interested in because he wasn't the coolest kid because he doesn't have a position, whatever it was. That 12-year-old would be like, oh my gosh, you did the world premiere for these things? You that person would be so pumped. And when I tap back into that person who is me and is still me, I can find a little bit, and I try to stretch it out to be more than a little bit, but I can find a little bit of peace and contentment in those moments. Do you have that as an achiever too, as a three? Can you tap back into seven or 12-year-old Kristen and say, would that girl be proud of who I am, what I'm doing? Is that similar for you? Yeah. So I actually got asked that question yesterday. Um, and the question was, I'm, 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 I'm walking on a path and I see 15-year-old Kristen. Picture what she's looking like. What do you feel? And all I said was the word confident. Like I felt confidence from that 15 year old. And then the question was, what would you say to 15 year old Kristen? And my answer was, don't let anything or anyone get in your way. Just go. And like, I, I told a couple of my friends that and they were like, wow, like, why would you tell your 15 year old self that? And I'm like, because the amount of things that the world threw at me from the time I was probably five to age 15, by the time I got to 15, I was like, okay, Kristen, I got one year to get it together. I'm getting a car and I'm GTFO because I have places I want to go, people I want to see and a world I need to change. So Love it. here we are. Here we are. What would I say to myself today? Probably the same thing, but what, what do you got for me? Oh, no. I mean, I, I don't want to interrupt. I just have, I, we could do an entire podcast on this question. <laughs> yes, we could. So I had I had this wonderful experience in August. Uh, my wife Kelly and I booked a condo in Hawaii. It was the first time we had gone anywhere other than work trips. Kelly and I, she travels with me a lot of the times as my production assistant manager. She's wonderful. We booked a trip to Hawaii. We brought two of our friends, Andy and Hannah, are their names, and they came out 
And um, one of the things that we talked about, we're sitting at this kitchen in Hawaii, overlooking the water. And we asked a similar question. We were like, if you could go back and tell this age version of you something, what would you tell them? And we really actually hit down into, like, if you can think back to a time when you were a kid where you felt hurt, you felt hopeless or helpless, what would you tell that kid? The answers were so heartbreakingly beautiful. And I think that's what it's and about. Profound. Yeah. And you know what? I think this is maybe the, the bow on the gift, so to speak, is like, if you can figure out what you tell that person 10, 20, whatever it is years ago, but you're not living it or believing it yourself right now, then like that, that's actually the, the issue. If you can say 15 years ago, I would have told that person, hey, you are worthy of love. You are good enough. You're going places. But you don't believe it as the 20, 30, 40-year-old version of yourself. Then it's time to start telling yourself and believing in yourself and surrounding yourself with people who tell you those things that you would have said. Because as important as it would have been to 15-year-old or 12 or 7-year-old version of Kristen or SP, it is still that important as the current age version of ourselves. No, a hundred percent. So we'll get deep here real quick. So the other question I got asked is let's say, and I'm going to paint a picture. And so for everyone listening, I'm going to ask you to do this activity. So close your eyes and I want you to act like you're walking down a path and you feel the wind and, you know, there might be trees around you. There might be a river and in the distance, you know, you, you see, you see a figure, you see something, right? So th- this was me in this scenario. When I got to the other side of that and saw the figure, it was a younger version of myself. I was five years old and I saw blonde curls, like super blonde hair. I was in like a white shirt. I was at pink and blue ribbons, the biggest smile on my face. And, and then you ask yourself the question, what would I say to my five-year-old self? I almost started, I did ball my eyes out because I saw the energy and the happiness and like all the things. And what I would have said to my five-year-old self is you have no idea what the world is going to throw at you, but you've got a heart of gold and you got this girl. Oh my gosh. I have goosebumps just listening to that. And I know no one's watching this right now, but I closed my eyes and I was on the path with the river. I was not seeing my five-year-old self. There's something, and I have a almost seven-year-old kid now, Brooklyn. And so, you know, it's easy as a parent sometimes if you think about it to kind of live through them in a healthy way, not vicariously, but to see yourself there. And so as you're describing that, like, um, I I feel the flood of emotions. I feel what it's like to look at five-year-old me. And these, I'd say these last two years, one of the exercises I would do, I got into a good practice of meditating sitting quietly for 30 minutes in the beginning of the day and the end and putting myself in places like you just described. You're walking down, you see your five-year-old self. And sometimes the question is, what would you tell them? Because you've got a wealth mm-hmm. of experience and knowledge now. Sometimes it's, can you sit quietly with your eyes closed and can you hug and hold your five-year-old self and say, you don't even know what life's going to throw at you, but I'm here to be a person that is a warm, loving embrace or a loving awareness for you. And guess what? You're going to go through things that you feel like no one's ever gone through. And you're going to go through things that you feel like are impossible to get through. I've been through it and you're going to get there. And guess what? You've got me to do that. So I love that exercise. And I hope the people that did that, I hope they can pause this and just sit with their five-year-old self and see what that's like and see what that feels like. And I think that's what I just love so much about the connection that I have with you is that we're both DJs, we're both entertainers, we're both professionals and all that kind of stuff. But the way that you and I really connected, we met, I think in 2019, but the way we really connected was literally sitting at a table of 20 or 30 people, happenstance brought us together and just asking a simple question that somehow brought us to a point of, I would call it, you can call it whatever you want. And I'd be interested to hear what it feels like to you. But for me, it was like, it was an emotional connection. It was a connection. Kismet. It was what? It's Kismet. Kismet. K-I-S-M-E-T. Let me Google it real quick. You can Google it. I'll tell everyone listening that uh, we did not kiss when we met for the record. I don't. uh, Kismet means destiny or fate. Ooh. Do you feel like it was destiny or fate? 
I mean, it was because we did not have we did not have this conversation in 2019 when we met. And to be honest, like I was out doing something else that night. And then I got a text message saying, hey, dinner's about to start. Are you here? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't see that email. So like I got in an Uber, I got there. It was the last seat left. And I'm like, hi, John, I remember you. I'm here now. And like life has literally been so insane for me from every single level. And, you know, I keep a lot of my personal things and like my feelings, I push them I put them in a box when I'm being a professional because yeah. I got to be on, sure. you know, yeah. and I don't even know what you asked me. Did you, did you say, how are oh, you? I know, every, I know it all. And I'll, I'll, so well, I'll just answer the question. The question was, I was like, Hey, I'm interviewing like 20 people tomorrow, but you're not one of them. What's up with that? Let's talk. Tell me what's something that through this pandemic you've learned personally or professionally. And you're like, you got to narrow it down. I was like, I will. <laughs> and I, <laughs> and I, was, I guess I must've gone personally. And that's how you and I met as I'm a little bit of a woo woo person. So, um, you know, when you say things like destiny or fate, I'm like, I can get behind that. I can get into it. And when I think about our conversation at dinner that night, there was literally like 30 other people we could have connected with and talked to, but I felt like I got to meet who you were not as a person, but who you were as a soul. And for me, it was like a soul to soul type connection as weird and woo woo as that might sound. People will probably think that's woo, but that's fine because here's the thing. Like at the end of the day, like we all, ah, I don't even know how to explain us to the world, but like what we do as entertainers and people who have to be on all the time, you know, there, there isn't, there has to be a lot of rest and relaxation and, you know, almost like a routine to get me ready to be on, especially when like things aren't easy. You know what I mean? Like, for example, in March, everyone knows this. I literally was in the hospital for 30 days with my dad for his heart failing in his organ or every day I was, I was sitting there. I had signed death paperwork, but at the end of the day, I still had a job to do. So like, we don't talk about those things. I make a note of that because it's important. Yeah. We don't talk about it because we're supposed to be on. We're supposed to be on. We're supposed to be glamorous. We're supposed to be slaying. We're supposed to be killing it. And we also think this is perpetuated by social media, in my opinion forgive me for being on a soapbox for, for a second here. Um, that's what we want to portray to people because we want them to be attracted to who we are, right? To our service or our company. Well, not only that, even if you're like a call center person, hey, thanks so much for calling, blah, blah, blah. How can I help you? Like, no, sometimes it's not that. You know, it's funny because when uh, when we, I mentioned Dave earlier, when you and I were talking, Digital Day walked over and started chatting with you a little bit about some ideas for uh, like what it's like to be in a relationship with the DJ. Cause it's so weird. We work nights, we work weekends, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, that's a great idea. And at the same time, I was like, if we left it at that, I think we'd be missing a little bit of what's really important here, which is for DJ, not just partners and spouses, but for DJs, what does it look like to be authentic in the sense of like, yes, I'm killing it. Yes. I'm saying it, whatever, but I'll, also I'm actually suffering right now because like you said 30 days my dad's in the hospital i'm signing death paperwork that doesn't look good on instagram but it is the reality of what you're going through and there i can give you numerous instances in my life where that's the things that i'm going through i would never post on social media but they are directly affecting who i am how i can perform and even honestly for me forget performing i can turn it on for four hours and and no one would know but those are the kind of things that eat you away as a person until you can finally get to a place where you either fall over and burn out or you say like, hey, it's not all glamorous. Has anybody else been through it? And I think the second is really the ideal and the more important thing, because the truth is, no matter who it is, whether it's your dad, your mom, your relationship, your marriage, your kids, your life, your business, everyone's going through something. Most of the time we just aren't in a place where we feel comfortable or confident enough to talk about it. But if we could open those doors, just like that was our experience together. Like we somehow fumbled and fell through this weird door. And we got to this point where we connected as two souls or two humans or whatever you want to say through not success in slang and all that, but through, for lack of a better term, through trauma and through hurt and through difficulty. And I honestly, I think that's the only reason that I'm, I'm here talking to you on Lovely at Excel is because we connected on something that is difficult rather than something that is Instagrammable. 
it's almost like when you, when you approach someone you haven't seen in a while, or maybe you're at an event or, you know, whatever, it's like, you ask the question, how are you? Oh, I'm great. How are you? Exactly. 10 years ago, I would, if someone was like, how are you? I'm, I would either say great, or I'd say busy because to me, that's the same thing. I'm great. Or I'm busy because busy communicates. I'm in demand. It wasn't, I've never told you this. Some people know. I spent a year of my life in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I don't recommend it. And shout out to anyone who lives there. But I'm from LA and I like the fast pace. But when someone in Tulsa asks you how you're doing, they're, they're like, no, but really, like, how are you doing? And that's very off-putting if you're not ready for it. But I think uh, I used to be in the position where I was like, busy, good, moving on, transactional, little thing that we're doing here and I'm doing something else. But I realize now as I get older that that authentic, genuine connection is actually more important to relationship and interpersonally than just being like, I'm good or busy, or here's my facade. Like, I look great, don't I? And please tell people that I'm great. I think it also takes more energy to do that. And, you know, for me, with so many life evolutions in the last year and a half that I've gone through, I don't have the energy. I don't have the energy to not be who I am anymore. You know, it's not, it's not easy having to be on all the time. Um, and so, you know, even for me, like on the day I have events, I have a routine. I have a routine where I wake up every morning and I don't set the alarm. So my body kind of just like wakes up naturally. I drink my vitamins. Um, or no, I drink my veggies. Yeah, I love the routine. Yes, 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 yes. I make my coffee. Like I open my laptop. I start listening to music. I do some. So like I have a routine. So like, do you have a routine? Like, what would your recommendation to be to someone who kind of maybe needs something to follow on how to turn it on when they're when they really can't how to turn it on in the sense of like being that person or how to turn it on in sense of connecting with yourself. I would say being that person, right? Like when it is time to clock in. Right. So I'll, I'll run through a little bit of what my ideal and healthy routine is. And it's not my daily routine, but it's something I strive towards. And then, <laughs> and then uh, move into the, uh, the being that person piece. <clears throat> when I'm operating at a healthy level, I get up, usually sometime between five and six. And that's not like a impressive thing. It's just how my body works. I wake up early and if I can, I'll go out to my living room. I have, uh, you, you, I know if you're listening, you can't, but I have a blue lights behind me here. I've got nice ambiance lights here in my living room as well. Um, I'll go out there and I'll usually start by sitting quietly. You can call it meditating. The whole goal is just to, to recenter. We, we call this, we say this all the time in my family with our seven-year-old, my wife, this idea of refocus, recenter, pull myself together. It's just getting in that mindset. So I'll just sit quietly with really no goal for 20 to 30 minutes. Then if I'm really doing well, I'll exercise, whether it's hopping on my Peloton or doing some yoga, whatever it is. Um, if I'm not operating at a healthy level, which uh, happened last night, I'll look at my phone when I wake up at 2.30 in the morning and I'll check my emails and I'll look at Instagram and I'll, I'll struggle to go back to sleep and be like, I wonder why I can't sleep. Well, it's because I just like had little adrenaline spikes every time I open that because I'm not operating at a healthy level. So if I can stay focused and do those things in the morning, it sets me up for success to be who I need to be and to be that person. And when I say that person, I know we're talking a little bit about that entertainment persona, and so that's, uh, you know, if I have meetings on the phone or even my tone in who I am in emails, it sets me up to be what I need to be for certain people. But more importantly, it sets me up to be who I need to be for the people that are actually intrinsic, important, close people in my life. That's my kid, my wife, my, uh, my mom, my sister, whatever it is. And it lets me be authentically me for whoever I need to be. And I don't think that being on, quote unquote, is necessarily inauthentic. I think that the version of you that certain people get changes and that's okay. Just like you were talking about earlier, like sometimes it's exhausting to be authentic with people. The truth is you don't have to be, be your most authentic self with every person. Not every person is entitled to the raw, real, uncut Christian or Sean Patrick, whatever it is. But to answer your question, if I can start off my day in a place of focus and truly gratitude. We have these things here. I love it so much. It's called the five minute journal. Have you heard of these? I think so. It's yeah. So good. Um, you write down basically like three things that you're grateful for at the top, three things that you'd like to do or accomplish today. And then uh, like on the bottom, it's, it's, it's notes, you know, it's like being able to write out, like I'm, 
looking forward to, or I'm seeking out or whatever it is. And it just gives you the right perspective in the morning and you do it before you go to bed at night. I think the healthiest I am is when I'm operating from a place of gratitude. Oh, hundred percent. I, I recently just got this journal. It's not sitting in front of me right now. So it has like daily and night things. I have not started it, but it's like morning plan. Today's goals. I am grateful for to-do list. I'm excited about workout on my mind. It's a little much, which is why I haven't started it. Um, but I also have this like almost it's a picture frame, but it's 3d. So basically you can stick like things in it, almost like a piggy bank. And it says, I am grateful for, and I just found these things on Amazon. They're little white, they're white wooden hearts. So in the kitchen, when I go do my vitamins and my veggies every morning, I'm going to write down a little heart, what I'm grateful for. Cause that's like my kitchen time in the morning is kind of like my time to be like, okay, let me try to wake up and decide, you know, how I'm even feeling right now. Like (laughs) what's the temperature? What time is it? How am I feeling? Yep. Totally. (laughs) I love that. I think having, um, it's funny. I follow, I think many people do follow the rock on Instagram and, uh, he always talks about anchors in your life for him. It's working out for me. It's not that, but I'm glad he has it, (laughs) (laughs) but having things, I mean, we all can't be the exactly. Yeah. Only the rock and maybe me can be the rock, but having things that, uh, center you and focus you. And I love the idea of an anchor because it means you can only go so far from where you started. Um, as opposed to if you are anchor less, you just drift off into any direction that that the wind pushes you. So if you can start off with your veggies, your gratitude, your vitamins or meditate, whatever it is, at least you have an anchor and you have a starting point. You know what I mean? Dude, I'm going to pull up a song for you. Give me a minute. We might have to keep talking, but there's a song that talks about like my, my it's like a hip hop song. It talks about like eating my veggies and like, Hang on, let me see if I can. That could be any hip hop song. Every hip hop song talks about eating your veggies. Hold on, is it juice? No, hold on. Juice? No, is it broccoli? Oh, no, no, no! It's called Vitamins by Queen Herbie. Of course, that was my third guess. I just didn't get extra. Read all about it. Hold on. She said, working out, sleeping in, taking vitamins. Like, let's go, people. I love that. You know, uh, I think there is a little bit of a movement towards loving yourself and self-care, even if it is one line in a hip-hop song. But I see it in more and more places. Um, Gosh, uh, what I've learned is, like, if you can't, hmm, how do I say this? You can't give what you don't have. If you're not happy, it's really hard to give happiness. I think I may have said this to you at dinner. Like if I wanted to give you $20, but I didn't have it, couldn't do it. So it's like all of your relationships, your business, your interpersonal relationships, your romantic relationships, your friendships, it all stems from what you're able to give and what you're able to receive. But in this case, you can't give what you don't have. So if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not, there's a great book called Leading on Empty by uh, Wayne Cordero, which talks about filling up your cup. And if you can't fill up your cup, you can't pour out into other people's cups. I say that all the time. There it is. Really? Yes. See, this is why we've always been on the same wavelength. Like if my cup is empty, how can I give back to everyone in my life, my family, like um, my team, my friends, my community, my crew? Like I can't, like I need to make sure that I'm filled so that I can fill other people's cup. It's kind of like if you have like that giant like champagne chandelier yeah. thingy where like the one person's right. at the top like you can't if that's not full it ain't dripping down bro okay so that is so wonderful and like that's a perfect analogy i'm going to tell you something that i've learned and here's oh my gosh i love this um i was reading a book recently because a friend was reading it and i was like I, I this is i have very little ego left but i'm very proud of how many books i've read this year and uh one of the books i read because a friend of mine was reading was by a guy called francis chan and uh, he was talking about like how, um, how do I say this? I'll get back to it in a second. Let me say this first and I'll get back to it. Um, I love the, the pyramid idea of the champagne. When I think of it, I think of it as a cup. And this is the part that's a little bit heartbreaking. If you put a hole in the bottom of that cup, that's how I understand our lives to be. Is you have a cup that has a little hole or a little leak in the bottom. 
and you want to fill up your cup and be able to pour out into people, but you also have a little bit of a leak in the bottom. That's just how life goes. It's like a depreciating asset or a depleting asset. And you can't, even if you're pouring into people, you're still giving and expending. You have that hole. So it's so important to pour into your cup relentlessly because you're the only one who can who can do that, who can pour into you and give to other people. I'll get back to- Wait, but how can we fill the hole? I think to- we can fill the holes, right? <laughs> that is like, you know, we have when you get like a nail in the tire, like, bro, I can keep putting air in it, but like, we're going to have to plug. You this. are so right. If I was there in Florida, I would hug you and kiss you on the top of the head and say, I love how much of an achiever you are <laughs> because yes, like, there's a problem. The problem is we have a hole, but the problem to me, and I love this because it's, it's not it doesn't mean everything to everyone. And this gets back to the Francis Chan thing, which I'll say right now is like, uh, he said, the older I get, the more I realize that I'm not a hundred percent sure about anything. And that's what I've realized too, is that different things are different for different people. And so like, you want to fill the hole for me. I want to acknowledge the hole, to love the hole and to say, I, I get that that's a part of my life and I'm going to have to work with that. The achiever in me says the same thing, plug that hole. I got stuff to do, you know? Well, okay, hold on. Okay, fine. I understand. I get it. Okay. But okay, okay, so fine, 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 fine. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. It's like, okay, so there's a cup, but there's more than one hole. There's more than one hole. And you know what? There are gonna be people who come by with knives and needles and scissors and sharp things, and they want to try to poke holes in your cup, and you have to stop that from happening. Like I'm gonna build a moat. And I'm going to have alligators. There are going to be some holes I'm going to plug. Others, I'm going to have to be like, fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Like, it'll take me a while to plug that hole because that hole may be a little bit larger. So, oh my goodness. I I took that to a whole nother level. (laughs) You took it to the the level of reality and I love it. And I love you. It is what it is. It is what it is. Because let's talk about that conversation that night. I don't know how we got to this, but like it, it was exactly what I needed at that moment in time. Because, you know, we, I, and I was like, Sean Patrick, we are talking about this on the podcast because everyone needs to hear this. There is not one person who is not going through something right now in their personal life that they don't, that they don't want to talk about, whether that's parents, kids, or maybe like, you know, they're graduating college and it is freaking, what is it? Exam season or whatever it's called, or like, you know, you've got a business transition going on. Or maybe you're a person who is in the middle of a career switch. Like something is going on in your life. For sure. Something is going on and we see you and we hear you and I understand. And let me introduce Sean Patrick and the Lotus Flower Story. (laughs) I love that. And I'm going to jump right into it. Let me say to your comment about the cup and the people coming with knives. Oof, that's, that is so life. One thing I heard, and I don't know where I heard it from, someone said that if you put up walls, you keep out the good and the beautiful too. And it's a a little bit difficult because you put up walls. What? Write it down. (laughs) When you put up walls to keep out the bad, you also keep out the good and the beautiful. And that's really hard. Inherently in life, there is pain and there's suffering. Forgive me for kind of ranting here, but the pain and suffering has been so much a part of uh, my experience here there's pain and suffering in life. And this is directly correlated to the Lotus flower thing that you're talking about. Um, uh, Rick Warren, uh, most notable for writing the purpose driven life. He talked about pain does one of two things to people it makes you bitter or it makes you better, but it's your choice what you're going to do with it. You can let it make you feel crappy or you can learn from it and grow from it. Um, Eckhart Tolle talks about suffering. He says, hey, if you're in the pattern of creating suffering for yourself, you're likely in the pattern of creating suffering for other people too, which reminds me of a third person that's a friend of mine, Shalene Johnson, uh, who people know from Marketing Impact Academy as well as Beachbody. She says, your vibe attracts your tribe. And all of that's true. If you're in a place where you're always creating suffering out of pain for yourself, you're going to be attracting the types of people that are um, doing the same thing 
I think it's good to attract people who are hurting if you're a type of person that can love and help walk people through it. I think if you're the type of person, not you, the general you, if you're the type of person that is suffering for the sake of suffering, because your world only turns when you are suffering, you're going to attract those types of people who are relentlessly suffering and never looking for a way out. So your vibe attracts your tribe. Um, but it's it's your choice if you're going to take your pain and make it into suffering. If you get an injury and a cut, that's pain. If you go and tell everybody, look at this cut, oh my gosh, I couldn't do X, Y, or Z because of this, that turns it into suffering. Uh, two things that are on my mind before I throw it in there. There's uh, Ron Funches is one of my favorite stand-up comedians. He's like just the sweetest dude. I love him. And he talks about, for him, it's stress. He says like stress is the difference of like where you want your life to be and how it is. And you either have to change how it is or change how you want your life to be. When it comes to suffering, I think it's really similar. The difference between like what you think your life should be and where it is. I think that's where we come into suffering is we feel entitled to like, my life should be this. I'm this age. I'm at this stage of my career in my life. It should be this. And I am suffering. I'm hurting and I'm turning into suffering because I'm not there. And I think a big part of this is knowing that this is a very Gary Vee thing, enjoying the journey and realizing that the journey is really the destination, not the destination, because most of us never actually get to what we call, quote unquote, the destination at the end of it. The destination, if we ever arrive there, is often different than we, what we shot for originally. To answer your question or to uh, speak to what you talked about with the lotus flower, first of all, I know people can't see this, but it was very sweet. I was talking to my wife, Kelly, about this, and I was like, um, I'm going to talk to Kristen today, and we're talking about this. I guess this is such a big part of my life that she's like, Hey, we've, we've been decorated for Christmas since like November 1st. And so she goes to the Christmas tree and she uh, pulls this out. I know people can't see it, but you can. She gave me this pin that is literally <gasps> a Lotus flower. So obviously this must be something that is so intrinsically a part of my life that she would go and buy this because it's representative of who I am. People listening might be like, what are you talking about are you a florence i'm not a florist but i do have a lot of flowers on my jacket before i jump into that do you is it is there anything you want to throw in there no like i mean this is where it's gonna get good it's so good i hope we have so much time i know we're going long here but for for those who are listening this is really the point i think where kristen and i connected in, in a safe and spacious and loving way. Uh, so we started talking about just shared traumas. I mentioned it earlier, shared hurt, shared pieces of our lives that were difficult. And so we talk, started talking about, for me, I've learned over these last few years, for, uh, most people don't know this, when I was like 22, maybe 21 or 22, I got married to someone I was dating since I was 15 which um, I wouldn't change it. I have a beautiful daughter from that relationship. And I think all the choices we make in our life lead us to where we have to be. But uh, we split up maybe in, I don't know what year it was, but it was five, six, seven years ago, something like that. But that was like the lowest point of my life. I truly lost just about everyone in my circle. And I really thought at the time I was a very big fish in what I thought was a big pond, but was turned out to be a pretty small pond. And you look at it globally and I was like, certainly my character and my history will be enough that people will be like, Hey, we love you. It wasn't, I truly lost just about everyone and everything. And if you're listening to this and you're like, I was there, I love you. Thank you. Um, but I lost pretty much everything. And it was through that process that I realized that no one ever changes because they're comfortable. No one ever changes because they're happy. People change and make change in their life. People grow because they're at their lowest points, because something traumatic happens to them, because they've been in the thick of it, in the gross mud of it. And that, in our conversation, is what led us to the illustration of the lotus flower. I believe it was Thich Nhat Hanh, which I'm sure most people don't know who he is, but he is a Zen master. And he was talking about the lotus flower. And he said, basically, and I'll paraphrase, he said, in life, uh, there is suffering and there's happiness in life there is mud and there's the lotus without the mud there can be no lotus and the idea is the lotus flower which is such a beautiful beautiful flower oftentimes sits on top of a lily pad petal by petal it opens up it can only grow if the seed is in the mud the muck the swamp 
the grossest places. And that's what brings about the beauty of life. And that's what you and I connected on was that idea of it's not all lotus flower. It's not all glamorous, wonderful, Instagrammable moments. In fact, the only way to get to those moments is to go through the mud and to have pain or to have suffering to grow you into more of the person that you've always been. Friends, life is so hard. And even in the last year and a half with the pandemic and the social movements and, you know, just the amount of, of things that the world has thrown on us, if you are still in the mud, know that you are still, it's not your time yet. And there's light at the top of that water break and on top of the lily pad. And even if you can't see it, it's there. And I promise, I, I, I promise. Have you? Have you been seeing that in your life this year, in the last five years? Have you been seeing how those hard times are growing you more into the person that you are now? Oh, I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, at five years old, at 15 years old, at 20 something years old, I mean, I can look back and I can see every single hard time, trauma, um, you know, season or phase of life where I, I thought to myself, there's no way I'm getting through this. And then somehow or another, and it, it's just like, you know, we just got back from Arizona and right. And so I'm like, Oh, this is cute. I'm going to fly in a day early. And I'm like, I'm going to go climb a mountain, you know, I'm like, Oh, this is going to be so cute. Like it's going to be, I'm going to get that Instagrammable picture that I can put on my grid and be like, boom, I did it. In my mind, I thought, that there was going to be a tiny little trail that went at a tiny little incline in a circle up the mountain. Then I just like walk. And when I get to the top, boom, Instagram picture. No, mm -hmm. I literally was climbing a mountain, like with both of my hands, one hand on a rock, having to like hoist myself up with one foot and push myself halfway through. And I was with a group halfway through. Mm -hmm. I'm like, there is no way. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And I truly was so embarrassed because I was fighting back tears. I'm like, there's no way. Half the people were already up the mountain waiting on me. And I'm like, guys, it's fine. I have to go slow. I have to keep stopping. I forgot how terrified of heights I was. Wow. It, it was like, it was the, honestly, climbing that mountain was the most traumatic experience. But, but halfway through the mountain, like I looked up, I looked left, I looked right. I looked back down and I was like, oh, hell no. Like, I can't look back. I can't look up. I just have to look at the next rock and keep moving forward. Kristen. With tears in my eyes. And then I got to the top of that damn mountain and I got that damn Instagram picture. <laughs> Kristen. Wow. What, what a perfect metaphor for what this whole journey is. And I know we talk a lot about on the podcast, you talk a lot about business and, and personal, all that kind of stuff. So whoever's listening, however you want to take it, take it that way. What a beautiful metaphor to what we think should happen versus what the reality is. We think that the mountain of life, of relationship, of business is a slight incline till we get to the top of an Instagrammable moment. It's not, it's mud and it's rocks. And it's like, and then I got to one point of the mountain and I'm like, literally all there is are rocks and there's no <laughs> signs. Like what even is right. this? Yeah. Like there's no directions. There's no trail. There was no, half the group was gone. And I'm like, I'm lost. Like I'm scared of heights. I'm going to fall off this mountain. Right. Like I can't, yeah. how am I like, and then I just, I just shut my mind off and just one hand in front of another, let's go. You know, I was hiking. I had to do this hike um, once a year or twice a year for many years uh, out here in California, hiking Yosemite. And uh, literally I was like, I just need to be a machine. I need to put one foot in front of the other. I'm not advocating for people to be a machine, but sometimes you do need to put one foot in front of the other and keep moving forward. It's okay if you move backwards. We all move backwards emotionally, physically, business-wise. It happens. But if you can have the perspective of if I can put one foot in front of the other and to continue your metaphor, I'm sure you were surrounded by your friends, people you loved on that mountain. And that's important too, to have people that it's, you can say, it's okay, keep going. And I'm going to meet you there. 
blaze the trail and I'll get there or people to be like, help me walk along, like walk alongside of me so I can get there. That mountain climbing metaphor is so perfect for what life is. It's not a gradual incline. It's crappy and there's mud involved and there's lots and lots of stairs. And when you get there, most of the time you're like, this is just a pile of rocks. This is what I was excited about. The thing that you thought was so perfect and so wonderful. You're like, this isn't even what I thought it was going to be, but you got there. And you know what? In the grand scheme of life, now you're what you thought was your ceiling is now your floor. And also in terms of love and lead and Excel, it's not just your floor, but it's the floor for all the people you bring on in your life, whether it's your business and your team or your kids or your family or your friends, you got to this mountain peak that was your top and now it's your floor. And now these people get to build a life and existence of business on what was your peak and is now their floor. And they're already starting at 10. 100%. Hopefully I left my footprints on that mountain so someone else know where they need to go. (laughs) You should have left like a plaque up there so people know. Like Kristen was here and it was great and I didn't cry. Well, listen, my plaque is my Instagram. So you can go see me on a mountain there. I also ordered that picture on a mixed tile to hang on my wall. So like, let's go. I did it. And if you ask me the question, would I climb another mountain? You damn right I would. And next time it's going to be higher. <laughs> and I will leave out the crappy parts of crying and you will see the top of the mountain. Yes. And I'm going to need hiking boots next time, not Adidas. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure those were dirty. <laughs> hey, did you buy those shoes with the spikes on the back that I saw on your Instagram? <gasps> yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. They came in the mail last I week. I love it. That's awesome. I want to see them on you. I just remembered too, when you were talking about, we were just talking about the story of the mountain. This whole like last two years for me has been, I don't want to call it an existential crisis, but it's been like a personality crisis and try to figure out who I am as humble as I like to be. You know, like I, I like when people find out about the things I do and not have to say things so I can be like, oh yeah, it's whatever. As humble as I am when the industry shut down, like uh, I had to figure out who I am off of the stage because I did love the attention. I did love the respect and all that kind of stuff. When you're talking about going up the mountain it reminded me of something that I learned over these two years is that at least for me, it's easy to be humble, but it's really hard to be humbled. So when you're going up the mountain and someone's like, or the mountain is like, can't do this. It's hard. It's easy to be like, oh yeah, I climbed the mountain. I mean, I didn't want to talk about it, but since you mentioned it, like it's easy to be humble about it, but it's so hard in life to be humbled and have to like take that seat and just learn that life lesson. I agree. I love, I love it all. I hope that you're able to pull some talks out of this uh, for all your future corporate stuff. I did see one. So one of the things that I also have learned about you that I want the listeners to know is that you do, you do speaking and you're very clearly, if you're listening, you know that he can leave an impression and have something profound to say that'll move you and propel you in a positive direction. One of the topics that I saw that I just want you to touch briefly on, because I think it fits really well, is your topic, failure, make you bitter or make you better. So let's touch on that a little bit. Oh, I love that. I love that you've seen that on there. Um, Yes, failure, make you bitter, make you better. I I mentioned it earlier with Rick Warren and in terms of pain. I think that's the thing is that, uh, so you and I are threes, we're achievers. Not everyone's wired that way, but specifically for us into a lesser extent or a similar extent to other people, failure is always a negative thing. I've learned recently that failure is one of the only thing that matters in terms of growth and change personally and professionally, but you don't want to fail hard. You want to fail fast. You want to learn from your failures. Everyone's going to fail and you have to be okay with that. When you're an achiever, it is not okay to fail. But you have to know that everybody fails and nobody's perfect. So go out there, do your best, take a risk. Also, just so you know, most of the best times and the most memorable moments I've had professionally have been from taking risks that might have huge rewards and might have huge failures. I'll give you a really silly example. I was DJing the world premiere of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. It was right before everyone saw the movie. And I thought, "Mm, maybe, should I? Okay. I played um, this song called Bye Bye Little Sebastian, which is a very slow song. But if you're a fan of Chris Pratt, who is Star-Lord, the star of the movie, you're probably a fan of Parks and Rec. And you know that he played that song in Parks and Rec. I threw that on, even though it was a slow jam and people freaked out. You can't be afraid to fail 
Because if you're afraid to fail, you'll never have those high peak moments. Yes, you'll save yourself maybe from those low moments, but here's the truth. Oh my gosh. I hope people can hear this and I hope I can hear it too as I listen back next week. You can't have light without darkness and you can't have tremendous successes without tremendous failures. It's a spectrum and it's both and, and you have to be willing to take those risks and fail if you're going to have those peak moments. Failure either makes you bitter or it makes you better. It's your choice if you're going to be like, I've, I tried once and I failed. I'm never doing that again. And guess what? For the next 60 years, I'm going to talk about that and how it didn't work out. Or you can be like, hmm, wouldn't do that again. What's the next thing? And that's how it makes you better. It makes you a better person. It makes you a better professional. It makes you someone who's more appealing to work with and to hire. I think it's, uh, it's a tremendous part of being uh, in the entertainment industry, which is a risk in and of itself. I think the one thing I would add to that is that if you look at kind of the metaphor of climbing up the mountain and when you when you get to the point where there's there's no signs and there's no direction so clearly you just have to decide which rock are you going up next. I could have looked I could have looked at that situation and said this is a failure there's no there's nowhere to go up. There's no path for me. I can't get there. Like you you could look at that as a failure. The only way I would have failed climbing that mountain is if I would have fallen over backwards and died. Yeah. That is literally, that's literally the only failure. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when you're in the mud or when you are climbing the mountain, you just have to look at things from a different perspective. Or if there's not a trail, you got to make your own trail. Or what did we hear at the DJ collective? It was like, if there's not a seat at the table, make one. How many times has Kristen made a seat at the table every damn time? Because there's not a seat for me, you know? So I, I think also too, there's this, there's this whole kind of thought process of what failure really is and failure, failure really isn't like, I don't even like, did Yoda say there, there is only do or do not, there is no try. Is that a thing? That's a thing. So like, so so like, so like failure, I don't even like, I don't know what failure means. I I don't even know what that means. So just pick another trail and like, let's go. I think that's so special and so beautiful and so out of the ordinary. I think when people hear it, from things, um, let me give you an example. This might be something that connects it. We can bridge it all together. Like imagine being in high school and having a boyfriend or a girlfriend and that doesn't work out. Imagine giving up on love as a 15 year old being like, I tried it, it failed. Like, is that where the story ends? No. Take that and put it into your business, put it into your life, put it into your friendships. A failure isn't a stop. A failure is a yield to continue the analogy. It's an assess what's going on while still moving slowly forward towards your goal. Just because you failed, it doesn't mean that you are a failure. Oh, I love that. Just because you failed doesn't mean you're a failure. It means that you need to learn from what happened. That's the make you better versus make you bitter and make better, wiser choices with the new knowledge that you didn't have before that you now have now. I love it. And I love you. You're love so it. wonderful. Our, our, our conversation before was absolutely profound. Today, I hope it inspires so many people. And you know, my, I don't think I'm ever getting rid of this. So <laughs> y'all gonna have to DM me and tell me if I need to get rid of it. But my favorite part of every episode is talking about Love Lead XL. So my question to you, Sean, is what does Love Lead XL mean to you and how will you continue to pay that forward in your life? Love it. First of all, don't get rid of it. I think it's wonderful. Second of all, I'm so sad because our conversation's coming to an end and I adore talking to you. You're so, <laughs> so wonderful. To answer your question, what does Love Lead XL mean to me and how to pay it forward? Um, like I said, I'm a fan of the podcast. I've listened to Dawson talk about it. I've listened to Tamuel talk about it, to Joe talk about it. I've listened to the two uh, DJs on your team talk about it. I've listened to so many people talk about it. To me, it's a little bit different. Um, when I lo- think about Love Lead Excel, I think about it certainly from a business standpoint, but more from a relational standpoint. Take the, the middle word, lead. If you're going to be a leader, if you're going to have influence in someone's life, personally or professionally, you can't just come in as an authority and be like, do this. There's no buy-in for that. When I look at Love Lead Excel, I don't see it as just like a slogan or a tagline. I see it as a process. If you want to lead well, you got to let people know that you love and you care about them. There's a friend of mine when we used to run uh, a big uh, uh, business of volunteers. He would tell me, I'll text these volunteers randomly 
so that they know every time they get a text from me, I'm not asking for something. I don't need something from them. It's just, it's something that says, hey, I'm thinking about you or hey, I love you. And those things give you the opportunity to lead well. If you don't have the buy-in, if you don't have people that feel like Kristen or SB or whoever you are cares about me, it's really, it's exponentially more difficult to lead them. And if you can't lead them, well, certainly you're not going to be able to excel your business or your personal life. For me, when I think about this on a personal level, I think love is really what it's all about. And I think love stems or everything stems from that idea of love. I talked to you about that Hawaiian uh, vacation that we had recently. One of the things I did, which is so silly, is I wrote um, journals for Kelly, for Andy, for Hannah. And it was each day, it was something else. They could read it every day, or you know what? They could throw it in a drawer in 10 years from now, they might find it. But what I know is whenever they pick that up, they're going to feel loved. They're going to be seen, feel seen. They're going to feel known. They're going to feel cared about. And that's going to give me an opportunity to speak into their lives, or we call it leading them. And for me, whether it's business or personally, that's where all of the Excel, or as Joe Bunn said five episodes ago, acceleration, even though it's a different word, <laughs> it's, it's, it's fine. It's fine. He's, he, he's great. I love him so much. But it's what gives you the opportunity to continue to grow and to change your mindset, whether it's in your relationships or your business or your clients, to change your mindset from a mindset of surviving to thriving. So that's what Love, Lead, Excel means to me. That's so perfect. And if any of our listeners want to continue the conversation or connect with you further, where can they learn more about you or find you? Absolutely. The best place is Instagram. You can find me at Sean Patrick DJ. That's S E A N. Patrick DJ. You can also find me on my website at seanpatrickdj.com, but Instagram is the best place to find me. And um, if I haven't responded to your direct message, just know that I will. And I love you. And I'm glad that you're here. Kristen, you are just such a delight. And thanks for having me on. It's been such a pleasure today. Thank you, Sean Patrick. Thank you guys for listening. And we'll catch you on another episode. Hey, friends. Thanks for listening to the Love Lead XL podcast. For more inspiration, hit subscribe wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts. And follow me, Kristen, on Instagram at Meet Kristen. Until next time, I empower you to continue to love what you do, lead by example, and excel at it all.